Oh, I love the presence. Presence is strong today, Lord. Um, we just thank you that you're healing and that you're just going to keep healing this whole service and beyond. You know, I was thinking of that uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2 this morning. And uh, as we're going into just doing the offering time here for a minute, the announcements, I was thinking about, okay, so offering is, is we're, we're giving financially, but Romans 12 talks about giving in another way. Therefore, I exhort you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a sacrifice, alive, holy, and pleasing to God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this present world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may test and approve what is the will of God, what is good and well-pleasing and perfect. And, um, and I just want to uh, take another minute here and as the presence is resting on us. And I felt like that verse was uh, highlighting something about, okay, so we're giving our bodies. This is the exhortation from the Apostle Paul to, to not just give our finances, but to give everything including our physical bodies. Because this, what, what Jesus did is he became a physical man. Uh, he endorsed humanity. He endorsed the body. He incarnated his presence in the power of the body. And he's basically saying, if you're going to follow me out of the grave into the new creation reality, it includes your bodies. And so the battle that we have with our physical bodies, with sickness, with old age, with all the different things that come against us, is a big part of the story. Sozo is not just salvation to go to heaven, but sozo is deliverance from the demonic and it's healing of the body. In fact, restoration of the body, resurrection of the body. And so I just felt like we should take a minute... Um, and a minute longer, like we just had prayed for, for us that are sick, but every one of us that probably in some measure, whether it's a physical ailment or emotional tragedy or a social thing or a worry or a concern, uh, it gets into us and it gets into our bodies. And so I want you to just take a minute and I want you to literally put your hand on your body where it hurts. And if it's a deeper thing, it's an emotional thing, um, it's, you know, it's a deeper thing. You could just put your hand on your heart or on your head if it's just like it's spinning and you're anxious. Uh, in fact, that, that second part of the verse about being transformed by the renewing of your mind, one of our greatest problems is how we react to the challenges. And I feel like the Holy Spirit highlighted to me the one-two punch, and I'm not a boxer. Uh, so I looked it up really quick on Wikipedia, and the one-two punch is, you know, Two, both hands in rapid succession, and I was thinking it's sort of like the enemy punches us with some affliction or trouble or poverty, and then he does the second, and usually it's to the head with the second punch, and the second punch is always accusation. And we're going to talk more about this in the sermon in a minute, but the second punch is always accusation. So first you get hurt in pain, and then you get accused for it being your fault, even if it's somebody else's fault or whatever. So it's the one-two punch, 
And so many times the enemy knocks us out with the one-two punch. And I feel like this verse is addressing those two parts. Okay, let's put our hands on our... So like I said, put your hand on your body wherever it hurts. Um, and then maybe put your other hand on your head. <laughs> okay. So, Lord, we just offer our bodies, our hearts, our spirit, our minds, everything about who we are to you because we trust you to carry us through. You are the good shepherd. You are the new creation man. You are the one that went through death and sickness and hell and came out the other side with resurrection life. And so we just surrender these, this, the way we've been wounded and the way we've been lied to. No weapon formed against us prospers. And every enemy tongue is refuted. So we just pray you de disempower the weapons and the wounds. Right now. Right now, go to the places where the wounds are. Where the weapons have invaded. And if there's demonic elements, we command them to go in Jesus' name. And then we just pray that you would silence the accuser. And we evict the lies that have come into our minds uh, in Jesus' name. And we open our lives now to be healed, even today, and the rest of our time today, that you just continue to hover over us, Holy Spirit, healing angels, delivering angels. We welcome you to minister, to move. Pray that, uh, Lord, I just pray you'd stop me at any time as I'm preaching, if there's something that you want to do. And I just want to thank you. And we just also offer uh, our finances our time, our finances re represent our, our strengths and our time and our energy. And we offer that as well to you. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So it's easy to give around here. You can see how to give on the Internet. There's some boxes in the back. So we're just going to give extravagantly like we always do. This is a big giving house. And uh, amen. So, obviously, because Mike has a little challenge right now, um, I'm preaching today. Some of you don't know who I am, so I'm just going to tell you a little bit. I've been here on staff for 23 years, um, and uh, uh, for many of the first years, I was primarily focused on prayer. Um, we were, we've been building, we've been contending for a house of prayer for years and years, and a lot of prayer. And then things shifted a lot, and I became more of the pastoral care guy. Yeah? Oh, yeah, the announcements. Sorry. Okay. More to come. I love it. I love the happy sound, the bright eyes, the connections, the people of God connecting with each other. This is awesome. <laughs> so, you know, one, there's that verse that says, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So what's pretty cool about that is one-third of the kingdom of God is joy. One-third of the kingdom of God is peace. And one thing, third of the kingdom of God is 
righteousness. And I always struggle with that word for a lot of years because it's so much sort of justice, like courtroom stuff or something. And I finally felt like the Holy Spirit just said, it, it just means right relationship. And so it's like, it's relationship. So one third of it's right relationship with God, right relationship with each other and with the world. And so, I mean, it's kind of brilliant that the kingdom of God is a joyful, peaceful, relational kingdom. And so that's why I just love it when we do this kind of stuff. Like we just connect. And, and you know, I was, I was kind of giving you a little history about who I am. My name's Kent Larson, in case you don't know that. And uh, my beautiful anointed wife is over here, Kathy Larson, uh, and we have five children, we have four on earth and one in heaven, and all of them are just brilliant and amazing, uh, yeah, I could brag on them all, but anyway, so so uh, I'm grateful to have been here for 23 years, and big parts of, you know, r- radical transformation in, in our lives and care for us over these 23 years. And I want to thank you guys again for hanging in there with the weirdness of who I am and all that. So um, so uh, that's just a little bit about who I am. I Actually, I've been a Christian for, for I think, um, now 65 years. Uh, met the Lord when I was five. I grew up in an evangelical environment and then came into the things of the Spirit in about 1983. And uh, wow, pow, zowie. And um, lots of changes when you come into the things of the Spirit. Big, huge paradigm shift. Um, and uh, actually, um, yeah, well, anyway, so that's, that's my story. So t- this morning, um, so this morning we're going to do some simple, just run through some simple verses of scripture and tell a couple stories. So um, I'm going to start with a, this first verse called at the top of your page or up in the, on the screen, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. So because I've been a prayer person and been involved in a prayer church and partner a lot with Mike and others in intercession for many years, um, uh, I'm always praying and of course all of us whether we know it or not, uh, in fact, sometimes some scholars uh, you know, translate this verse, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the prayers of your, of your heart. So, like, we, our desires drive us. So whether we're praying to God or we're just praying and frustration, like, I want something to happen to solve this problem, it's like, the, it's there, Okay. And sometimes it gets pretty discouraging. So about three weeks ago, I was at, woke up in the middle of the night and was praying again about things that have seemed immovable for a long time. And, and I was, you know, anxious and frustrated. And, and then the Lord, and then I just started to breathe because my wife's been teaching me to breathe. <laughs> because by nature, I'm a really anxious person. So I need to learn how to quiet, and I think I think I think I recognize some people around here that has probably the same problem, uh, not of stress and anxiety and and just amping up things. Whether whatever personality you have, whether it's a high energy personality or whether it's a low energy personality, you can go into uh, all kinds of shutdown because you are just stressed out of what, whatever is not changing, whatever is not being answered. 
You know, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. So I, I once claimed that as one of my life verses, especially the first part, hope deferred makes the heart sick. So, <laughs> um, so, so the dynamic of that, and so then the Lord just whispered to me in the night, he says, all I want you to do from now on is delight yourself in me, and I'll give you the desires of your heart. And I was like, wow, oh, maybe I could do that. That'd be pretty easy. And, and, and you know how that's what happens when the Spirit highlights a scripture and it becomes a little faith missile into your heart and something awakes. It, I, it actually is the, the, the gift of faith. It's actually the, the rhema anointing comes on a word and you can read the scripture for a long, long time and then all of a sudden, something leaps out, and bam. So I've known this verse for years, and I've claimed this verse in the past, but somehow it awoke in me and said, wow, is it that simple that I just need just need?" And so I felt like I was on an adventure. Okay, I'm just going to figure out every which way to delight myself in the Lord and see what happens. So for the last three weeks, I've been working on that. And just a couple days after I, that happened... Uh, I got, a, 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 I guess, a conviction by the Holy Spirit that I had gotten wounded about some things about the Holy Spirit's manifestation in the charismatic movement and the renewal movement and everything. And I, I realized that I had kind of shrunk back in some ways. Some things, like one thing is, and I would imagine some of you have gone through this, you've had prophecies given to you and they never come to pass. You, or you've you know, prayed and prayed and got words, even words of knowledge and everything that you're going to be healed and you're not healed. And so, so there's just the gifts of the Spirit are moving and you feel like it's passing you right by. So there's that piece. But then there's also the piece of sometimes the wackiness and the kind of brokenness of our broken maturity level and we, we don't know how to use the gifts of the Spirit in a... Uh, in a uh, resting on a character that is not just wacko and out, out, of, out of balance. So what's so amazing about this Jesus himself is, that, is when he was baptized, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him and remained. So why did the Spirit remain on Jesus? And oftentimes he doesn't remain on us. Or we watch other people, they get really anointed, and then they get really wacko on the other side. So, you know, stuff goes wrong, they, they mess up morally, they, they do crazy things with the gifts of the Spirit, whatever. And, and I, having done a lot of inner healing and counseling and been in this environment, lots of places, and even in, in seasons like the great renewal that there was from Toronto and really awesome stuff, but then I also see, see people that had... Uh, kind of covered up their brokenness by grabbing on the gifts of the Spirit and making a big show. And, and so I kind of got like hardened a little bit. And I, and I found myself just aware that I had probably grieved the Holy Spirit and pulled back a little bit. And so I just felt prompted, like, I just need to repent. So I just had this in a simple little prayer. I, re I repented. And I said, Lord, forgive me for in any way pulling back from you, and pulling back from your beautiful gifts and the, the beautiful move of the Spirit. And, and, um, and even pulling back from going to places where that's happening or whatever. So I just prayed that prayer. 
And since, every day since then, I woke up in the morning, and all I did is say, Gee, Holy Spirit, I just love you. I thank you so much. I just appreciate you. Now, usually we don't think about adoring, you know, like worshiping the Holy Spirit, because he's, he's a gentleman. He always wants to prefer Jesus and make Jesus the star. And he doesn't even, you know, put my pressure on. So, but that, the simple little idea of just appreciating Holy Spirit. So I just started doing that. And I started seeing some things begin to change. And about uh, two weeks ago, we, we have, I, um, Kathy and I, um, along with Brent, um, and Brent's in a little season of huge challenge. I mean, a big season of huge challenge. But uh, we've been pursuing this thing we call the Mercy Transformation Center. And it's a counseling, training, relational, healing, community, and counseling center. And, and uh, so we have this one piece of that called the Emmanuel Prayer, uh, Prayer Team that meets once a month. And so we met two weeks ago. And because I was paying attention to the Holy Spirit, in the morning he said, he kind of com- corrected me again. And he said, you know, uh, you've never talk- talked about You've never talked about the Holy Spirit's anointing on the Emmanuel process. So, uh, and, and I was like, oh, you're right. I mean, we talk about Jesus. We talk about the whole process and everything. But he said, then I just felt like that scripture came to mind, the anointing breaks the yoke. And, and it's not that the, the Holy Spirit hasn't been ministering in the, in the Emmanuel process, but we've just never honed in and paid attention and talked about how does the anointing rest on that model that we're working with. So we gathered together that morning, and, and I just taught briefly. I just took Isaiah 61, where it talks that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach good news. I went through those verses, and I just talked about the fact that the Holy Spirit rested on Jesus. And the Emmanuel process, if you don't know what that is, it's, a, it's an approach to healing wounds and also an approach to intimacy with God that focused on going to a positive memory and then looking for Jesus and getting into a face-to-face dialogue with Jesus. Okay, so, so the Lord just highlighted this, the, that Jesus is the one that has the Holy Spirit on him. Okay, so we're... We're paying attention to that, and that I wanted to just, we just talked a little bit about that. And honestly, as I was talking, the Spirit started manifesting in the room. And it was because I was honoring Him. I was just honoring Him. I was talking about Him, bragging about Him. And as I was talking about it, I started to realize that in that process that we do all the time around here, in many different ways, we do counseling, we do marriage counseling, we do a manual church, we do all different manual journaling, all different things. In that process, that we're always flowing in the Holy Spirit, but we're not even recognizing it. And so I started talking about the gifts of the Spirit: word of knowledge, word of wisdom, uh, faith, healing, and and I was just highlighting that in the in the in this process, uh, the, you know, we're getting a word of knowledge here, we're getting a word of wisdom, we're applying it in a different way than we normally do in, in our services. We're not just directly prophesying, but in this particular model. We're kind of coaching the person to have an interaction with the Lord and, and them having a direct revelation from the Lord. But the Lord is also giving the people that are facilitating these prayer times words of knowledge to even prompt them, even to say, okay, there's something here, so why don't you, know, why don't you ask Jesus about this, you know, this thing? So anyway, as we're talking about it, and it was just, uh, first of all, just you, it could feel the anointing come. So in, the, in this model, we... 
or in this training, we do what we call a demo, and we had Bob Evans, and then Chris, uh, Chris Alvarez come up, and they sat in front, and they did a little uh, half an hour demo of this, and, um, and this is, I, I'm getting to a really important point here, not just teaching you about a manual, but, um, but as, so what we always do is we start by asking Holy Spirit to remind the person that's receiving of some kind of great thing, some joyful thing, some peaceful thing, some awe moment, um, and even better, a God moment. So immediately Chris comes out and says, I've got one, and she starts telling this story. And I've talked to her a couple times since there, this, and I asked her if I could share this story today. But she tells the story that basically a few months ago, she had this radical miracle in her life. And, um, and basically what happened is she struggled with diabetes and overweight for most of her life, most of her adult life. And she, uh, a few months ago, and this wasn't the first time she's actually asked for this before, but she said a few months ago, she said, Lord, would you just melt it away? You know, would you just take it away? Okay? Well, about 27 days later, in fact, I know it was 27 days later, and I'll add that in in a minute, uh, she uh, got, uh, got up and put her clothes on, and they didn't fit. And, and she's like, what is going on here? I don't understand this. And she's kind of freaking out, and she's realizing she's going to have to go to the store because none of her clothes fit. So she goes to the store, and so her memory was standing in front of the mirror at the store with these clothes that were three sizes smaller because she had lost, um, lost almost, let's see, I think she said like 40 pounds or something. Um, and uh, on top of it, she told me yesterday that she's going to, uh, in a couple days to be tested about her diabetes. But her diabetes, is uh, her medi- she can't even use her medication because it doesn't, it's too much for her. Her insulin levels have all leveled out. and she, So she's quite confident that she's totally healed of the diabetes. Okay, so it was so awesome. So as she's sharing this, the spirit came even stronger in the room. And so then we ended up, after her Emmanuel, we ended up having her pray for people in the room. And, and the spirit started moving in a really powerful way. So for me, it was a really cool confirmation that the Lord was... was uh, accepting, I guess you could say, my repentance of dishonoring him and, and allowing it to happen and then lining it up with his testimony uh, of her transformation. Okay, so that was all there. And then um, I talked to her twice since then to kind of clarify, okay, so this is really a miracle, right? What, you know, give me a little more details. And one of the pieces that she hadn't, didn't share in the meeting was that she actually, her back went out and she was literally on her back in bed for 27 days. And, and, and so much pain that she couldn't get up. And so she, she said, over that 27 days, she said, there was a number of times where I, I was going to be strong and I was going to get up and I was going to go do it. And, you know, but I just felt like the Lord said, no, just, just stay still, West. And so the whole 27 days... She's just surrendering to the Lord, and she said, the Lord was speaking to me all these things. I was getting dreams, and he was convicting me about reaching my lost neighbors, and, 
And then she told me about how uh, in her early days when she first, she was the first Christian in her family, and, uh, and she just, uh, she, she, let, she ended up leading her whole family to the Lord ultimately. So, and she's been an evangelist. She, she was a hippie, um, so it was right in, back in the Jesus movement that she, she met the Lord, and then her whole family came to Christ, and, and she had dream actually when she, I mean, I could go on. I mean, she's one of my heroes now. I mean, I, she's been a hero for a long time. She's a beautiful, I, sometimes I think the Lord rests uniquely on widows uh, in a special way. I'm a, you know, I'm a husband to the widow, but she has a spirit of prophecy on her for years. She's an incredibly gifted artist, so I just want to honor that. But, so uh, there was a physical dynamic related to this healing because uh, she's laying in bed and she's not eating as much and everything else. So, but um, I, I just felt like, but what what was also just stunning about her testimony was she is she her identity is like radically changed. She's just on fire with joy. Her countenance is different. She said people don't even recognize her. She has she's a nurse. She's been a nurse. She has a bunch of nurse friends and they can't figure out she she's walking like young. Uh, and she she told us the. The, 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 the pants that she was wearing that day, uh, are uh, she hasn't been able to be in since she was in uh, uh, 16. Um, so, like, it's so uh, a miracle. So, I guess what I wanted to do is I wanted to tell that story really quick and say that she, as she laid there in bed, instead of reacting to the back problem, she was delighting herself in the Lord. She was just surrendering and saying yes. And the desire of her heart was awakened on the other end. So I want to just give you all a moment just out of just that little story and that verse to take a minute and just, you know, if you feel even what I just said or what she, you know, you're, maybe you're an affliction that's been a long-term affliction. Um, or maybe uh, you're like me. You got a little offended by things you know, in, in, the, in the ministry of the Holy Spirit Whatever, but I just want to take take a minute. I want you to just be quiet and just listen. And wherever you need to just let go and said, okay, Holy Spirit, I surrender to you. I appreciate you. I honor you. I want you to uh, hover over, even if I'm in affliction, I'm in, in pain. Uh, I just ask that you would, you would. Uh, uh, I just want to surrender to what you want me to do. And I don't want to get out of bed if I'm not supposed to get out of bed. I don't want to uh, try to make something happen. Um, I want you to be the one who makes it happen. And I believe that you will give me the desires of my heart. So I'm getting another little prompting. So I'm just going to go with this. If you identify with being offended by the things of the Spirit, would you stand? Would you be bold enough to stand and just, with me, repent? Would you just, you know, if, if you've been in any way, you've been kind of turned off or offended or shrunk back from maybe where you were before, you know, kind of pulled back, got into a place of coldness. Well, this is a great group, and there are not very many that have, so that's good. So, but be honest, and I know it's it's a little embarrassing to stand up and uh, and publicly and reconnect, re, uh, accept this. But 
The Spirit of the Lord is moving powerfully on the earth right now, and he wants everyone uh, to be able to be free to receive it. So, Lord, we just thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you for their open confession here by just standing. And, uh, and we just want to say, yes, Holy Spirit, come. Yes, Holy Spirit, we love who you are. And we know that there's brokenness in the body of Christ, and we know that there's brokenness in our own, our own minds and hearts, and we get confused about the way things work, but we just uh, receive this right now. And I just pray that you'd pour your spirit out in a special way on those that just stood. And, uh, and even that promise, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. So I just pray that each person that's standing right now, the healing love of God, the forgiveness, the blood of Jesus. You said, you know, uh, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. And if we confess our sins, he's faithful and righteous, and forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all our righteousness. I just give you any way that I have resisted you, um, leadership, Mike's leadership, anybody's leadership in this environment, in the, in the, in the larger vineyard, or in the, in the king, things of the Spirit, that you've raided up those leaders that are honoring Holy Spirit, we just repent and we just uh, give it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Feel free to sit down. All right. Um, you can see at the top of uh, the, the, the little sheet, it just says Arising and Affliction. That's the title of this talk today. So um, as I was reflecting on this and experiencing that particular thing, um, Another verse jumped out to me that's been a verse that's always meant a lot to me, and it's the verse out of Psalm 34, uh, 5, that says, uh, those who look to him are radiant, and his faces are never covered with shame. And so I started looking at that, and that's going to be the core of what I'm talking about today. Um, but I want us, actually, I was thinking, well, let's put this in context, and let's read the whole psalm just kind of get uh, the framework of the psalm. And as I was reflecting on that psalm, I realized that this psalm was written by David in a deep place of affliction. Uh, it was, uh, I won't go into the whole backstory, but basically he was, he was having to, he was getting, uh, he, I forget the name of the king, so I, I did do a lot of research about this. But basically he was having to fake like he was insane because he, because he was, you know, he got into the enemy's camp and he had to cover it up. And so he was like getting exposed that he was going to be killed if he didn't, uh, if he didn't cover up who he was. Um, and so oftentimes we get in a place where we feel uncomfortable, we feel like we're in trouble, and we kind of hide from that. But the psalm was written around this affliction and then how the Lord delivered him. So I, what I'm going to do is we're going to just put up on the screen Psalm 34, and read it for a minute. Um, yeah, let's just kind of read it together. So let's just all read it out loud together. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glorify in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and he delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called, and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. 
the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their cry. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to blot out their name from the earth. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. He uh, protects all his bones. Not one of them will be broken. Evil will slay the wicked. The foes of the righteous will be condemned. The Lord will rescue his servants. No one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. It's an amazing psalm. I'm sure many of you are familiar with a bunch of those verses like taste and see that the Lord is good. You know, there are favorite verses that come out of that psalm that have so much power. And so uh, I kind of liked, I was kind of looking through the internet on the different stuff and somebody had titled this psalm or had a you know, theme out of this is when trouble comes, taste and see that the Lord is good. So kind of the same prompting that I had is delight yourself in the Lord when you're in trouble. Um, and, uh, you know, and I, I'm just just saying that in the context, because we've had, we've had a bunch of trouble around here lately. <laughs> you know, if you had a notice. I mean, we have, we've had such amazing trouble uh, with this tragedy with the McIntosh family, and we want to just continue to stand with them in the midst of this. But when I, uh, I, I feel like I've seen a bunch of different situations in the last year, kind of like Chris... Uh, Chris uh, Alvarez's situation where great trouble came and great miracles came out on the other side. So that's what this psalm is talking about. The psalm is saying, yeah, many are the troubles, but the Lord delivers us out of them all. And so when we get discouraged, like some of us have, where we've asked for years maybe to get out of the trouble and nothing changes, what do you do then? Now, I'm going to tell one other quick story, and that is that I got the flu, cold thing, sore throat, bad thing, um, uh, a couple weeks ago. I think it was on Easter afternoon, actually, and uh, kicked off, and I was sick for a bunch of days, and then Kathy got it, and, and finally I was coming out of it last weekend, and all of a sudden it came roaring back on Monday, and uh, the sore throat was all back, and for two days I was angry. I was upset. I was saying, God, where are you? You know, why in the world did you do this? I'm just getting momentum back. And now why haven't you healed me? Da, 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 da. Has anybody ever complained like that? Uh, 
And, uh, and you know, we t- one of the things we teach in the, in the Mercy Transformation Center is the thing called relational circuits. We learned that there's a part of your brain that shuts down relationally when we're in stress, when we're getting triggered, when we have, you know, we're, we're in, and basically that part of the brain is, is, how, is the part that helps you be relational with other people. Now, there's parts of our spirit, there's other pieces of the story, but the brain shuts down relationally. Well, so for two days, my relational circuits were off big time. And, and I was just, and so my prayer life became whining, complaining, grumbling, you know, like Israel in the desert. Okay, so like, and, and then there was this, the, the one-two punch came in, okay, the sickness came back, and then the second hit was, I started getting accused, oh, you failed in your life, you don't have enough faith, now think about the weaknesses that are in your family, and your finances, and your history, and you're, you're, you're disqualified, there's a whole scenario of demonic lies coming, swirling around me, I was sinking deeper and deeper, and I was just kind of like, I don't know what to do. I had Kathy pray for me multiple times, and I don't know how she sustains with me. But anyway, um, so, uh, and then we're sitting at dinner on the second day, and uh, I'm just, uh, and I really think this is partly even what the repentance about Holy Spirit. Sitting at the table, we were choosing, I was choosing to do some things that I had to do, that we're doing to give. So I just want to, I just, I want to honor Mike here. In fact, fact, he's he's always been like this. When he's in pain, he just gives. I saw you come over and pray. Uh, I just, you're here, you're in the presence, and you're giving even out of your pain. So this is one of the ways that we, you know, we break the curse, we break the lie of self-pity and shrinking into the depression and all that. And so, so I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden I just felt the presence of the Spirit. And then I've just had faith to pray. And before I was complaining prayer. But it was like faith prayer. It's like I just prayed and I command this thing off me. And it didn't immediately go away. But it started to get a little more gentle, the sore throat. The next morning I was doing marketplace prayer that I always do on Wednesday morning. And, you know, an hour before, before, like, I don't think I can do it tomorrow morning. There's no way I'm going to be able to sing. My throat's just on fire. I couldn't even hardly swallow. And... um, and the next morning, I had all this grace, and we just had this rich time of worship, and it just broke. So I've, sometimes with me, and I'm sure many of you, the part, of, part of the affliction that we have is sometimes just our own affliction. And sometimes it's actually almost a word of knowledge or an intercessory thing where you're picking up what's in the environment. So having just heard the story of Chris, and then this coming on me for two days, and then breaking like that, I felt like it was another testimony of the breakthrough, and that the spirit of the Lord, that and that I what I felt like the Lord was showing me was that my reactivity to the attack, I and then allowing the second punch to come in and fill my mind with depressing, hopeless thoughts, was making me sicker. And if I hadn't had the grace of the Holy Spirit rest upon me, and I hadn't been attentive to that and just flowed into that, it, it would have, wouldn't have stayed. I mean, it would have stayed, and I probably would have been still sick today, okay? So, so um, I just felt I wanted to pass that on, that there's something about that process of not... Of, there's a balance between contending with sickness and 
surrendering to Holy Spirit even in sickness. And as I was reflecting back, I was thinking, well, Kathy told me, you should go to bed and just sleep. And I did one time, but I was still fighting. Like, I was just trying to not sleep and do the stuff I need to do. And I was feeling all bad about not getting the stuff done that I wanted to do that day. But as soon as it broke, the next day, it was like for two days, all these things just clicked off that were on my list. Boom, 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 boom. So the Lord came back after doing... uh, uh, after that that moment. So that's a little affliction that b- was broken, but I felt like it was a picture of how it worked. So now we just want to look at this one verse um, that's out of Psalm 34, 5. And um, I, I'm gonna, we're going to read it first in NLV. It says, those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. And then in the Passion Translation, it translates it, gaze upon him, Join your life with his, and joy will come. Your faces will glisten with glory. You'll never wear that shame face again. Okay, so these verses um, are really powerful, and, I, and I'm going to give you another minute here before I go on. Um, and one of the things that I, uh, I've learned over the years, I remember years ago I was a youth pastor in Denver in an evangelical Presbyterian church, and we had these long sermons that were very exegetical, and they're really powerful in some ways. I mean, they're really excellent. But I remember feeling so overwhelmed because in this particular church, they preached these long sermons, and then they always had like three or four applications of the sermon. And every week I'd come back, and there'd be more applications, and eventually I was getting burned out, like, I can't do all this stuff. I can't, I can't listen to all this stuff and do all this stuff, and I don't know what to do with these sermons. And, um, and then the Lord spoke to me, and this was way before I was a charismatic, so I guess he even speaks to evangelicals, you know? Um, and, and he just said, all you need to do is pay attention to what I highlight in the sermon and take that. Take that little piece and go with that. And don't think you have to digest the whole thing. And then I, I didn't know this about that time at that time, but I've learned a bunch of other things about that in the sense there's a there's an approach the, to Bible study that's called read and tell. So you read and tell, the Holy Spirit stops you on a verse or a word, and then you pay attention to that. You don't just keep reading, you know, realms of, of scripture, but you stay there and you pay attention to that. And then what we've learned, and we do this with the Emmanuel thing, is we stop in the presence of the Lord chew on a little bit, then look for Jesus uh, as much as we can imagine him. And then what do you want to say to me about that? And then we journal it down and we get all this revelation out of that. Um, and so I learned that and I wanted to just pass it on. There's, a, there's an ancient approach to meditation called Lectio Divina, which means slow reading, does the same thing. Basically, you read slowly a passage and the Lord highlights it. And then it goes deeper into his presence and into a spirit of revelation. And so I want to pass that on to you because for lots of years I didn't know about this stuff. And I, and I just labored, felt guilty. I'm not reading the Bible enough. I'm not getting enough out of it. Or I'm sitting in a sermon. I'm not getting much out of it or whatever. And that little gem of revelation that every, every word of Scripture actually is a doorway into revelation. But you have to pay attention to when the Holy Spirit's going to open the doorway for you. And you can walk into that. So for me, that's the the verse out of this Psalm 34. We could have tried to go through that whole psalm today. And 
would have been a big download, but that verse is what we're focusing on right now. So I want to give you a second to just read through both these translations slowly and ask Holy Spirit to highlight which word or phrase jumps out to you personally. So I'm going to just give you a quiet time just to read through it on your own. If you want to mark it or write it down or whatever, or you can just look at it and think, well, what, Holy Spirit, what part of this verse do you want me to pay attention to right now for my life? So I'm going to give you another minute to reflect on it. And then what I'd like you to do, and any, any of you don't have to do that, this, you can pass. Um, I want you to have free will. I don't want you to be pressured into anything. But I'd actually like you to share very briefly in a sentence or two with one other person um, if you, um, uh, what, what, verse, or what part of the verse highlighted to you and why. So I'll just give you another minute, and then you can just turn to somebody if you feel comfortable with that and share. All right, go ahead. You can share now, and some of you already started. That's fine. Take a minute. Um, this is one of the ways we teach one another in the body of Christ. We tell the stories of what the Lord is showing to us, and we help each other know the Lord. And if you don't have a partner to share with, you can just rest in the spirit. And, or if you're done, just rest and pay attention. If anything else, Lord, that you want to show me out of this part of the verse that you highlighted to me.
So just one more minute. So we'll just come back together now. So the part that just jumped out to me just now was uh, in, the, trans, in the, the Passion Translation, your face, faces will glisten with glory. Um, I like that. That's pretty cool. I like to have my face glisten with glory. I was with uh, some prophetic intercessors here this last week, and we had the most fun vision. It was so cool. So the vision was, we're, we're praying and interceding, and then the Lord highlights the scripture in Isaiah 66. It says, the, you know, my throne is in heaven, my footstool is on earth. And this lady, who sees a lot in the spirit, saw this picture of Father God in heaven with his feet on the earth. And then all, these, all of God's kids were climbing up into the Father's lap. And, and they were just being embraced in the Father's lap, but then they started sliding down his legs, and he became a big slide, and as it continued to multiply, the wa water started exploding out everywhere, so it became a water slide, and then all this light and energy and sound and explosion, and then the kids were climbing back up, and it became kind of like chutes and ladders, and you know, like, okay, so we were, we were teasing about that, and it was so, so powerful, and for me, I'm an artist, so now I'm, I'm going to try to paint the thing, but... But, uh, but uh, it was so, it was so, what a cool image of, and I believe it was actually a word for this hour because there's a huge amount of the arise and shine. There's a huge amount of an invitation to ascension into the heavenly place in prayer and praise and freedom into the love of God and the authority of the Father. And, and yet there's also this freedom of being able to come with joy into the earth. And as we continued to pray over it, we started, saw, saw the slides started going out to different nations. And they were going all over the place. So I felt like it was a picture even of the revival, the end time revival, that we're all expecting. That there was an increase of this freedom to be the children of God. We were singing about being the children of God. I'm free to be a son of God today. And so, there's, so this dynamic was going on, just, just beautiful and powerful, and, and it, it, it was just, it's just been fun to reflect on that this week. And, and I just think, well, yeah, those, the, the children's, I'm trying to figure out how to draw the children's faces sliding down, and they're all glad, you know, joyful. I'm looking up images, glistening faces, joyful faces. And after just hearing Chris's testimony and watching her, she's just shining. She, there's joy on her face. When I was talking to her yesterday, she was just giggling on the phone. I, she's, I cannot believe it. And, you know, many of you have experienced the joy of the Lord is our strength. And so when we get into the presence, when we get into the Father's love, and then we see that 
it's way, maybe it's not quite as serious and fearful as we thought. Uh, and we aren't, maybe our, our problems aren't as big as, you know, as we thought, that he's bigger and that he, he's got everything under control. And it, so it was just a, really a beautiful picture. So I love that glisten with glory thing. So I just broke down this verse in three little parts um, uh, that apply to that story a little bit, that, that vision. Um, and I just said, first of all, the verse talks about banishing distraction or beholding. So those who look to him are radiant, or those who gaze upon him, join your life with his, and joy will come. So this first piece is when you're in affliction, um, you, you banish the distraction. So I was tempted to take the, the scene from The Chosen today, and I would encourage you to look it up uh, in The Chosen, where Peter walk, tries to walk on the water and doesn't make it, and then Jesus has to bring him back into the boat, and then he calms the storm. It's a, you know, it's a, I love the chosen movie and just the way they're, and, and all the drama, they added so much more in the sort of the backstory. It's not in the scripture, but it, like it amplified it more because there's all this drama going on with he and his wife with their miscarriage and everything. And, and they're, they're both sinking in despair, but then he's also, you know, looking at Jesus and faith and kind of with sort of an angry faith. I, like the way they present it's like, well, if, if you're really walking on the water, Jesus, then tell me to come. You know, he's like being cocky, Mr. Peter, you know, like he kind of is. Like, oh, he's like, I can do it, I can do it. And then he gets out there, and it's so fun to watch the scene, and he starts looking at the waves, and all of a sudden, boom, you know, he's sinking. He's under the water. Well, that's reminded me of myself. Uh, uh, even the other day, when I was sick, I was looking at the waves. And it's like, oh, no, I'm sinking, you know. And and then I love the conclusion of the of the movie because... Or of that story, because once Jesus rest, pulls him out of the water and he grabs onto him and he keeps saying, don't let me go, don't let me go, don't let me go, don't let me go, and he brings him into, and he just keeps holding on, even, even after he calms the storm, and he says, never let me go, Jesus, never let me go. So there's a dynamic where he lost the face of Jesus, he got distracted by the storm, and then but it doesn't matter because Jesus loves us even when we get distracted by the storm. That's what happened to me. That's what happened to my friend Chris. And that's what he wants for every one of us. He wants us to be able, he wants to reach down into your place where you're sinking, when you were trying to walk with God, you were trying to do a business, you were trying to be a father or a mother or whatever arena where you were trying to do your best and walk in faith and you still sunk, he's not mad at you. He's not mad at you. He wants to help you. He wants to reach in and he wants to carry you. And, and so he'll always bring you back. He'll always bring you back. And, that's, and, and when he, he brings us our, that mercy into our crisis where we feel like we've been drowning for years. Some of you feel like you've been drowning for years and you, you just think there's no hope for me anymore. I'm, I just can't make it. And at that point, I just want to exhort you. And I think this verse invites us and just says, Look to him. All you have to do is look up and see his face. This is why I love Emmanuel prayer because it's all about that. It's like we're just going to find Jesus somewhere in the midst of our pain. And we're going to look at him 
And then we're going to say, okay, what do you want to show me? And it's so beautiful when his face arises and shines like that, that right, the sun of righteousness rising with healing. His face breaks out and our hearts are strengthened. And oh, you mean you're not mad at me after all? No, no, you mean it's not a hopeless situation after all? You still love me? Because that's that breaks the shame. Okay, so our greatest fear on on the planet start, started with Adam and Eve. When they sinned, the first punch was they disobeyed. The second punch was the shame that came out of it that they disobeyed. And so when God walked into the in the garden to look for them and said, "Where Adam? Where are you?" He wasn't. I believe with all my heart, he wasn't uh, looking to convict them or to make them feel miserable. He was coming to love them and have mercy on them. But they had so much shame. They hid. They went into hiding because our greatest fear is people are not going to be glad to be with us. That's the best definition I've ever heard about shame. Shame is the fear that people are not going to be glad to be with us. And certainly from the very beginning, the fear was that God wasn't going to be glad to be with Adam and Eve. And all of humanity since that time has been in that place, and we try to do everything we can to cover up that shame and put on a mask and be, you know, put on our fig leaves, as it were, put on something that will make us acceptable to other people and to God. So this... So that's the second point of this thing is we need to banish shame. Uh, no weapon formed against you and prosper, will prosper, and every enemy tongue will be refuted. So the accuser tongue that comes in our head or comes from demonic spirits out, whether it's from our flesh or it's from demons, that says, you are unacceptable, you're a failure, you're not going to go anywhere, you're never going to get out of this mess you got yourself into it, uh, or, or even if somebody else abused you, it's still partly your fault. You let them abuse you. You know, whatever it is, there's a dynamic there that we have to banish and renounce it. And, you know, in, in Hebrews 12, it said, you know, the, the Lord, uh, Jesus, look unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, despising the shame, he went to the cross. So he hates shame. That's one of the biggest things that he hates because shame becomes, becomes between us and him. He wants to love us, but our shame factor, our shame trigger causes us to go hide from him instead of come and be vulnerable and say, I'm a mess, I need you. Be like, uh, like Peter, don't let me go. Please don't let me go. And then he experienced the love of God. The storm was stopped. And, and he's in the arms and in the presence and the power of Jesus. And, and that's all we... It's, in one sense, it's as simple as that. Delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. Look to him and you'll be radiant and your faces will not be covered with shame. So just one other comment as I'm tying up here. That, that word in Hebrew for radiant, I just love... It, it means flow, it means river, it means this light energy pouring into your life, uh, shining on your face, pouring through your whole being. You know that scripture that says, come, you know, come unto me, not, not come unto me, the one about 
go to Jesus and out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Okay, so they're all tied together. It's like you look at Jesus, you get face to face with him in spite of where you're at and you're vulnerable and saying, here, here I am, here I really am and, and look for his face and the radiance and the river come pouring into your life. Uh, and what happens is, is what will happen like it happened to Moses. He was out on the backside of the desert. He had totally failed. He was in shame for years. He was in hiddenness. And then God you know, comes to him and calls him out into his destiny. And I believe that that's what he's got for every one of us. In whatever arena we're on, he's got that for us in little ways and in big ways. So the power of the radiance of the Lord that would come upon us and, and the scripture in Isaiah 60, I think, is, I think we are at, in fact, I know, we are at an hour in history where Isaiah 60, uh, arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of God rises upon you. Darkness, deep darkness covers the earth, but the glory is coming upon you. So yeah, this is the hour to arise and let his face shine upon you and awaken the life within you even out of the midst of your affliction, even in the darkest place that you're at, even in the darkest place maybe in history, uh, uh, globally in history, uh, than we've ever known. And that's what we all believe. We, you know, we all believe in the world, the, the worldwide awakening. We all believe there's a billion, a billion harvest coming our way. We believe that, right? So it is time to rise up into it and say, yes, pour out on me. Right now, I'm looking at your face, and every time I get beat down, I'm going to look up again, I'm going to grab Jesus, and he's going to say, peace, be still, and the storm will stop. It doesn't, I mean, I don't know, my experience is, it doesn't always stop us exactly the time we want it to stop, because he's working on training us, and I, that also came out in the Chosen movie, it's like, he's working on training, he's saying, oh, you have little faith. And, you know, I'm training you with faith here. And so we have to go through a process sometime that our hearts get trained to trust and go beyond. Uh, go, go beyond. So um, I'm just going to finish with this last verse because the Lord just gave this word, verse to me personally in a prophetic word from someone. And I felt like it's just such a perfect conclusion, I guess you could say, to what I've been talking about this morning. And it's in... Uh, it's in 1 Peter 5.10 there at the end. Affliction resolved. Um, and interesting, I'll just say one other thing about this. I discovered that 1 Peter, twice in 1 Peter, uh, he significantly quotes from Psalm 34. And scholars actually believe he was meditating on Psalm 34 when he was writing 1 Peter. Um, and he quotes uh, the, the verse about taste and see that the Lord is good, and some other verses. Um, so I thought that was kind of an interesting tie-in. But he finishes towards the end of the whole, that whole chapter, and it says, And the God of all grace, who calls you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. So this is a promise that we can hold on to. The after you've suffered a little while is not so easy. And I'm going to just finish, uh, I think I'm going to finish with a story, and then, Janice, if you just come up with a minute for a minute, and we're going to play, sing a song and just give you people a, a chance to respond. Um, 
One of my, our family's story is that and 23 years ago, my son died of leukemia, our firstborn son. And it was just at that time, just a few months after, Mike, we just had started coming to VCC, and uh, Mike and Janice were so gracious in those days. And I just remember they had a home group um, that we went, went to, and there was just major experiences in that home group where uh, when we were at our lowest, <laughs> we were at our lowest in our lives as a family, as a couple, um, the body of Christ was there for us. We were welcomed in, and we were cherished and prophesied to and prayed over and encouraged. And... Um, and so it was our son who, even, who died. He, my, my daughter and he started coming here at this church before we did, and that's why we shifted to this church, actually, initially. Um, and I had a number of amazing experiences before and after he died. Um, but one I just want to highlight, which was an interesting one, is about, I don't know, four or five months after our son died, I, came, I was really depressed. I came to that home group at Mike's house, and I sat between two prophetic ladies, <laughs> which in some ways might have been a mistake, but not. <laughs> but, um, and I was just like in the pits of grief. And, uh, and they started praying for me. And then I had a vision. And the vision was of Jesus on the cross. And it was just very intense and clear. And here's Jesus dying on the cross. And I hear the Father's voice. And he said, uh, you and I now have something in common. We both lost our firstborn son. And something changed right there uh, and brought some meaning of intimacy with the Father and revelation of the cross. Uh, in a level that, that, you know, I felt like, well, I have a unique privilege of knowing your heart, God, that, uh, that you identified with my pain and the pain of every person on the earth that ever lost someone that was close to them or treasured or valued, the pain of all humanity for the losses of our lives. And, uh, but that, that was just a special healing moment for me. And, and I highlight that here because that was one of the ways he started to strengthen and establish me because everything was screaming, saying, it was your fault, you didn't pray enough, and then all the scenario that's saying you lost your son. And so I got the, the one-two punch, and my wife did one-two punch over and over again, whatever, and um, I had even people come to me and say it was your fault. So it's like there was so much accusation in the air but the Lord came to me in this face-to-face, -face, looking at the cross, and said, No, I am with you. You and I have something in common because I gave my son to be with you in affliction, with you in death. He is the good shepherd that walks through the valley of the shadow of death. And there really is uh, on other side of that, where he prepares a table before us in the presence of the enemy. And that launched me into a whole new season. I was just with Eddie Purick and Brent the other day, 
and they were, and Eddie was talking about the seasons where he got sick. He got leukemia, the same thing that our son did. Um, he recovered, but it shifted his whole life. The, the, the affliction shifted his life, and he went into a whole new season. He had a relapse more recently of leukemia, and it's shifting his life again. And I'm just, I'm going to pray, and then I'm just, you can just start to play, and then I'll, uh, I'll join you in a minute. But I, so Lord, I want to just, want to, I want to thank you that uh, affliction comes. Many are the, the trials, uh, many are the afflictions, but you deliver us all out of them all. And so we just, we just look to you right now. And I'm just going to encourage you as, I, as we just uh, reflect here now, if any of you just feel touched and you want to come up and lay hold of Jesus and let the Holy Spirit come on you, if the worship team wants to come up or whatever, uh, why don't you just come up or stand up or just respond however you feel prompted. Um, but Lord, I just want to thank you that you're never going to let us go. I want to thank you that you are for us and not against us. I want to thank you that we don't have to shrink back in shame. No matter how much we think it's our fault or we think we've messed up our lives, you are for us. Or no matter how much has come against us and we think it's somebody else's fault and I'll never be able to fix this, they've messed my life up too much. We just say you're more than enough and you can step into every storm and lift us out. And so if you feel any prompting that way, just come up, receive from Holy Spirit right now. Let his light shine on you. Um, and we just thank you, Lord, for, for all of that. This is one of my favorite songs that John Wimber wrote. One of the things I love about the vineyard was the tenderness and compassion of the vineyard. This is also so true here in this house. Father's love is strong.
but there's been other things. You failed in business. You've lost a loved one. There's been something that's been such a crisis in your life that you feel like you've never recovered. But the Lord says today, you will forget the shame because I took it to the cross. It is over. And, uh, and, and so... Come on up here. If you have any any indication like that where you feel like you're stuck in shame, you're stuck in defeat, the trauma has been haunting you for years or maybe just for months, but whatever it is that's causing you to feel that stuck place, come on up because the Lord is here to break the shame. He died to break the shame. The blood is enough. The blood is enough. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb. It's all covered. And there is no accusation in heaven towards you. And so we just thank you, Lord. And just as what we singing before, uh, there's a freedom in this place. And so I'm just going to, we're going to shout freedom from the shame. Uh, so I'm just going to do that three times. If you want to shout with me, you're welcome. And I'm going to clap. And I believe this isn't just a physical thing that we're doing right now. That there are angels being released as we do it. To break the power of the demonic lies over your life. And so right now in the name of Jesus, we break the shame. We break the shame. We break the shame. Oh, oh, out. We command the spirits of accusation. We command the spirits of trauma. We command the spirits of rejection. You must leave now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Deliverer. We break it in Jesus' name. 
Now just receive the love of God into that place in your heart and in your mind that the enemy has been filling. Fill it with light. Look into the face of Jesus. Look for his eyes and listen to his voice. Lord, thank you, Jesus, that you are here to love us, to bring us back into the boat of our destiny. You're getting to the other side, and we're getting to another season. Lord, we thank you. And just as you did with many, many, many before us, you're doing for us now. Shift this thing. Shift this thing permanently. Permanently. No more looking back. Forgetting what lies behind. We reach forth to the love and the beauty and the glory of the radiance of Jesus Christ. Pouring into our minds, our hearts, our spirits, our souls. Fill us with your light and overflow us with the river of life that flows out for others. Mercy, 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 mercy over each of us, Jesus. Over our sons and daughters. Over our the ones that are broken and bondage they're caught in shame we do the same i'm going to do it again for sons and daughters i break it in the name of jesus i break it in the name of jesus i break it in the name of jesus get off of them you have no right to them they belong to jesus we 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 we, we shatter the strongholds we shatter the lies we release the light and the power of the spirit right now When I lock eyes with you